our series is A Grateful Heart, and we are in the final week. Certainly hope you had a nice Thanksgiving week. It's great to see you here at church this morning. Yeah, we have focused our gratitude these last several weeks upon God, who is the author of everything. You know, thankfulness isn't any good uh, if it denies the true source of life. Uh, you'll hear a lot of people this time of year say, well, I'm really thankful, uh, but who are they thankful to? And uh, when, you, when it comes to it, you know what most, a lot of people are thankful for? Themselves. Right? That's what they're thankful for, themselves. Because if they did not exist, then life would just not be what it is, right? It's kind of that self-inflicted thing that we get. But thankfulness really has to connect to God, the true source of life. And, and we've talked so far about being grateful for the Son of God, uh, the Word of God, and the presence of God. Yeah, today we are headed toward Romans chapter 15, where we're going to talk about being grateful for the family of God. Romans chapter 15. I know that there are a lot of events that always take place uh, in the month of December. And let me quickly uh, share with you our holiday schedule here uh, for the month of December. Next Sunday, on December 4th, we have regular services. And then we have Next Steps classes scheduled at 4 o'clock. And if you haven't registered for Next Step classes, you can do that today uh, on the kiosk or online. The classes go from 4 to 6, and the dinner is provided. On December 18th, we're going to have our Christmas offering uh, with normally scheduled services. And then our candlelight service uh, is 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, December 21st. Okay, so Wednesday, December 21st, candlelight service at 6.30. Uh, Christmas Day, we will have a service, uh, one service at 11 o'clock that morning, and then the same schedule on New Year's Day. Colby, could you take just a tiny bit out of my mic? It's probably not ringing anywhere else, but it just, to me, it is. It's like my head's ringing or something. Um, it's because of Thanksgiving, I'm sure. I'm sure it's all related somehow. Uh, but that's our holiday schedule. So uh, we're looking forward to a great month and going into January serving God. Uh, if you have made it to Romans 15, we're going to start our reading uh, there in verse number 29. Romans chapter 15 and verse 29. And I'm sure that when I've come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Kentria, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of, of you. For she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have laid for my life down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. 
Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epanatus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. And I love this passage. We said a minute ago that God is the author of everything, including the family of God. And that's why the family of God is the perfect balance of physical support and spiritual encouragement that every believer needs. Now, obviously, the perfection in the family isn't because of us. It's because of Jesus, okay? Uh, We all have problems and faults and issues and idiosyncrasies, and yet God miraculously works those things together for our good. I realize that some people uh, get burned or get wounded in their Christian relationships, and, and it pushes them to totally give up on having those relationships in the future. They say it's just not worth it to have Christian friends. But, but folks, that's not God's plan. Uh, his plan is to redeem and restore broken relationships and to comfort us in difficult seasons so that we'll be able to comfort others in difficult seasons. And, and we're going to see this morning how thankful Paul was for the family of God that had been uh, brought into his life providentially. And I have to tell you, I, I feel the same way as Paul on this. There's no way that my Christian maturity or influence would exist without God and the people of God that he has sent into my life. Uh, sometimes to encourage, uh, other times to warn, other times to refresh, uh, other times to correct, other times to bless. I have needed every person in God's family that he has introduced into my life, even the ones when I wasn't so sure that there could be any positive result. And and yes, there are many times where I've missed the lesson that God was trying to give me through a person in his family because I was questioning why the person was even there. And and there are times when, when I've wanted to isolate Uh, or to insulate myself from being cared for by other Christians. Uh, There are times when I've been too overwhelmed to understand God's purpose. And maybe we have some of those things in common, but we're going to discover this morning that we can be just as thankful for God's family as we are for God's Son and God's Word and God's presence. They are all gifts from above. And, And so let's study this passage now Go back uh, up into chapter 15 and verse number 29. He said, I am sure that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Let's talk about uh, this opening item here this morning. Your notes are provided in your bulletin on the YouVersion app if you want to follow along. We share a common cause. We share a common cause. Now, Paul, uh, believe it or not, he had never been with these Christians before, these believers, uh, the, the church at Rome. He'd never been there. He was anxious to meet them. And, and to bless them, and to be blessed by them. And that blessing was fully grounded in the gospel. Uh, he had told them from the very beginning of this letter, if you read chapter 1, 
And by the way, when he wrote, just, just so you know, maybe some people don't know, when he wrote this letter, it didn't have chapters and verses. It was just a letter, right? And some guys came along later, and they divided it up into chapters and verses to make it easier for us to find parts of the letter. Uh, but this was just a letter, and at the beginning of the letter, uh, he had told them some very important things about the gospel. He, he said, every single thing that takes place in the family of God is for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important. That's what makes the family of God, unlike any other association, any other relationship, any other mutual enterprise in the entire world. Even at your Thanksgiving dinner uh, this past week, if you were with family or friends, uh, there were probably some competing causes going on. Uh, some of the guys were there for two things, food and football. That's it, right? Uh, some of the little kids were there to play with cousins, right? That's the only thing. They didn't even eat the dinner. They just played the whole time. Uh, and the parents kept trying to come, would you come and eat? Would you come and eat? I don't want anything. I want to play with my cousins. Uh, some of the ladies were there to catch up on the, late, the latest family gossip, right? And to have a great piece of Aunt Marge's apple pie, because it is the bomb.com. Uh, some of the teenagers, believe it or not, they didn't really want to be there, so they just hung out on Instagram the whole time like they would have at home, Right? There were competing causes, and uh, some of you are looking at me like, like I maybe know teenagers a little bit. Uh, we have a, we've had a whole bunch of them at our house, and uh, I know how it is with that. It's a rough time, right? You're trying to feel your way through life and figure out what you want to do, and uh, so there's, it's a rough time. And then you come to church, and the pastor picks on you. I mean, how rough could it get? You know, there, there are competing causes everywhere we look in life. But in the family of God, it is all about unity for the sake of Jesus. One body, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And we need to be constantly reminded of this because in our flesh, we naturally move toward divisions, right? And have you noticed that in society, that there's somebody, I don't know who they are, but they're always trying to divide us into groups, right? They always want us to be divided by race or origin or color uh, or some religious thing or some belief or something we identify with. And I'm always trying to divide, move us toward competing interests. And as people, we, we naturally move toward personalities and personal passions. I love what Paul told the church at Corinth. There were divisions in their church, and, and in their carnality, they were choosing up teams. And one said, I'm on team Paul. And some of the other ones said, well, I'm on team Apollos. And some said, well, I'm on team Cephas. And the holier-than-thou ones would pipe up, and they say, well, listen, I'm only on team Jesus, brother, right? And Paul said, this is ridiculous. Do you guys hear yourselves? We are laborers together with God. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are 
the building of God. We share a common cause. And he said to them in, in 1 Corinthians 10, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, let's do it for Jesus' sake. In his second letter to them, he wrote this in chapter 4, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. That is what it's all about. The family of God is all for Jesus. It's all for his glory. And that's what it says here uh, in these verses that we read. It's about the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And that we do everything for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. If you're going to put one phrase to build your life around today at tomorrow at going into 2023, can you believe it's going to be 2023 and we have to get used to saying that and writing it. It's going to be crazy, right? How many of you uh, still use checks, like you still write checks? Okay, quite a few people. How many of you, just a just curious question, how many of you have never written a check in your life? My son, oh, my son. Uh, how could this be? How could this be? My son is 25 years old. He's never written a check. I'm, I'm mortified by this. But, but always when you write your check at the beginning of the next year, right? You always have to put the wrong year sometimes. It's going to be 2023. And look, if you are striving for a motto that you could really follow, I dare you to grab that phrase right there from verse 30, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Would that not apply to everything? And that would apply to every word, every thought, every video, every relationship. It applies to everything. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. It's not just something underlined in your Bible. It's something to bring upon your heart. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Now, I want to go down to verse number 31. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. So there were some people who were trying to kill Paul in Judea. And that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's look at this second part. We savor mutual refreshment. We savor mutual refreshment. Paul was excited to see these brothers and sisters in Rome that he had never met. And he knew that his visit to them would boost his spirit just as much it would, as it would boost their spirits. Uh, listen to this quote from chapter 1. He's opening the letter and telling them, you know, I really want to see you guys. He said, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And that is what authentic fellowship does. Authentic fellowship boosts everyone involved. It boosts everybody involved. Paul savored mutual refreshment with other believers more than he savored any meal he had ever eaten. 
And there is something incredible that God does through mutual refreshment, where each person involved feels the full measure of spiritual strengthening. Whether that person is a teacher or a listener, uh, whether the person is a disciple or a mentor, uh, whether the person is a mature believer or a new believer, uh, a person of strong faith or a person of diminished faith, it is such a beautiful refreshment uh, that nobody wants it to end. That's why at the end of small groups sometimes you sort of have to kick people out of the house because the human soul craves mutual refreshment, especially the souls in God's family. Uh, I was in a meeting with a group of people the other night, and I was trying to end the meeting at a certain time. And so I got to the time and said, okay, we've hit the time, it's time to end. And then like 30 minutes later, I said, you know, we were supposed to end and we're supposed to, supposed to leave. And then like 30 minutes later, I finally had to say, okay, that's it, we're done. Because people just kept talking, right? And the human soul craves mutual refreshment, especially the souls in God's family. And, you know, there are a multitude of people uh, who are wiser than I am, but, but I have lived quite a while now on this earth, and, and there's something that I'm beginning to notice. Relationships uh, that begin uh, by sharing a negative cause don't normally tend to be fulfilling or lasting, right? If they're brought together by a common negative cause. But relationships that form sharing a worthy cause, like say the cause for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, right? Uh, those relationships tend to be both fulfilling and lasting. And we savor that mutual refreshment. There is no more worthy and compelling cause than living for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been with brothers and sisters in India uh, in churches that, that I just met for the first time. And I'll preach for about 40 minutes. And, and the interpreter says to me, uh, are you already done? And they want you to keep preaching. And I say, well, yeah, but I'm done. Can you preach some more? And I say, okay, I'll preach some more. And, and so and then I preach another sermon. And, and then he says to me, can you keep preaching? And these people are sitting on rugs on concrete floors. Right? And the rugs are thin rugs. And they're just sitting on concrete floors. But they don't want the spiritual connection to stop. They don't want to walk away from the scriptures. And even though I know that we have to go on to the next place, I don't want it to stop either because I'm so blessed by their faith and by their passion for Jesus. You know, those are the types of relationships that are only available in the family of God. They're only available in the family of God. I hope we savor those relationships. Paul certainly did. As we go into verse uh, 1 of chapter 16, look what he does. He, he commends to the church at Rome, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Kentria, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she has been, uh, the word here is helper. She's been a helper of many, and of myself also. 
Let's talk about this third part. We serve one another in love. We serve one another in love. So this lady, Phoebe, had been serving God in the church at Kentria, and now uh, she's headed to Rome. And Paul said, you guys are receiving a blessing. Make sure that you accept her and assist her in any way you can. She has helped so many people, and she has most certainly helped me. You know, Jesus modeled ministry as a lifestyle. Yeah, Matthew 20, 28 says, he came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was always looking for people to serve. That's what love does. Now, love doesn't look for ways to be served. Selfishness looks for ways to be served. Love looks for ways to serve others. And Phoebe had been constantly looking for ways to serve other people. Uh, but here's what some people miss. When you help one person in the family, you help the family, right? When you help one person in the family, you help the whole family. I'm not talking about the mob. I'm talking about the family of God, right? When you help somebody uh, in the body of Christ, you help the whole body. And our ministry to other believers benefits the body of Christ. So, so when we serve other people in the family, we're truly serving the head of the family, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, the head of the church. Uh, serving God by serving others isn't just a slogan that we put up on the wall. It is the essence of Christian love. Christian love. Love. I'm going to say it three times just so you guys get it. We got to love each other here. Uh, it's, you know, words just get tangled. It is the essence of Christian love. Phoebe got it. And, and Paul said, hey, Here's a person who truly understands how Jesus wants us to live. She is a servant of the church. And when I look around this room, uh, I see so many Phoebes, so many helpers. As some are ladies, some are men, uh, some are young people, but all are servants who constantly minister to others and strengthen the body. And it, without servants, the church is unhealthy. Without servants... This is just a group of spectators who have gathered together to be addressed, right? There's no real connection between any of the people besides the fact that, that they're just a crowd in the same facility. But with servants, the church is the body of Christ. The church completes the will of God. Every member is a minister. There aren't any cruise ship passengers. There are only crew members, and, and Paul didn't just list Phoebe. Uh, you go through this chapter. He talked about Mary and her work. He talked about uh, Adronicus and Junia, uh, who were his relatives. They'd been Christ followers even before he had. Uh, there was Amplius and Urbane and, and Stasius, uh, not to mention Apelles and Aristobulus and Herodian. And you say, well, what are all these names? <clears throat> these are family members. These are people that he loved in the household of faith. Uh, Narcissus and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis and Rufus and uh, Asyncritus and Phlegion and Hermas and Petrobus and Hermes and Philogelus and Julia and Nereus and his sister Olympus and all the other saints. You say, well, why, why do you have to say all the names? Because the names were important to Paul. 
Paul remembered servants. Uh, I know that we don't do nearly a good enough job at Centennial remembering our servants, but we're always striving to be better at it. Uh, because without the service of love, the body of Christ is anemic and unfulfilling. When you serve one person, though, you serve the body. And uh, in verses three, 3 through 5, there were two people who were extra special to Paul. Look at verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have from my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not I only give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. That means all the churches should thank them too. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So we stand with the support of others. That's our final thing. We stand with the support of others. Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, they're always mentioned together in the Scriptures, every single time. They're always listed as supporters, encouragers, friends. They constantly teamed up to find people who needed a nudge forward or who needed to be blessed. And of course, they were led by God's Spirit to exactly the right ones. And Paul realized how crucial their support had been. Uh, they had laid down their own necks for him, their helpers in Christ Jesus. He cared so deeply about them that he could barely get the words out. They were currently starting yet another church in their house. When you look at Paul's life, uh, there were some people who stood out as pillars, people that were absolutely necessary to his Christian growth and influence. And make no mistake, God put these people in Paul's life so that he would be built up and strengthened and supported. And, and he didn't always get along with them. He didn't always like what they had to say, but they were there to move him forward. Uh, there was Ananias, who was the first person to ever accept a new believer named Saul of Tarsus. There was Barnabas, the great encourager, Silas, Paul's friend, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, along with many others, who poured into his life so that he could pour into others, other lives. And I hope you won't miss what I'm about to say next. God has not arranged for people to pour into your life without the expectation that you will pour into other lives. Uh, in the family of God, we stand on the support that other people have provided, and we provide the support that other people stand on. It's mutual. It's circular. The family of God doesn't succeed in isolation. We move forward by strengthening and sharpening one another, by knowing and being known, by accepting accountability and providing accountability by serving and being served. Solomon talked about how important it is to have partners and friends in Ecclesiastes 4. He said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. He said, but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. You know what the most helpless feeling in the world is? It's being lost 
and there's no one even looking for you. That's the most helpless feeling in the world. There's no one even aware that you need help. And in the family of God, we don't isolate, we band together. We share a common cause. Now, I want to bring this all together today in, faith, in today's faith challenge. And we've seen here in Romans 15 and 16 uh, how Paul regarded the family of God with gratitude. Uh, but I want you to consider the alternative. The alternative to being grateful for God's family is called pride. That's the alternative to being grateful for God's family. Uh, pride says, I don't need anyone else. I'm self-made. I'm self-built. I'm self-taught. No one has invested in my life. No one has moved me forward. There's only me. And I'm telling you, that attitude will eventually isolate you and crush you through bitterness. I've seen it so many times. I'm the only person who knows the truth. I'm the only person who's right on the issues. I don't need your feedback or encouragement. I don't need to be truly known by anyone. And then temptation comes knocking. Addiction comes knocking. Greed comes knocking. Difficult circumstances come knocking. Friend, could I just share with you the brutal honest truth this morning? If Paul needed support, I guarantee you that you need support. I also guarantee you that you have had support. And maybe you just haven't taken the time to realize it. See, pride is horrible at recognizing support. Pride is sometimes masked as self-pity. God, if you had given me people to support me like you gave her or him or Paul, then my life would be on track. Do you know that only pride blames God for your trouble? And it comes out of its own ungrateful heart. And as we close this morning, maybe God is placing someone on your mind right this second that has been a support for you. But you missed it. You missed being grateful to God. And you missed being grateful to the person. And it's not too late to be grateful to God. If the person's still around, you could thank him or her too. Can I just offer you one final practical lesson on this? If you can't think of anyone who has supported your faith walk, then resolve in your heart right now that you will find someone's faith walk to support this week. Because when you feel the need in somebody else's life, you're going to be stunned at how quickly God shows you how he's meeting that need in your life. Paul was the last apostle. He's the greatest missionary who's ever lived. But instead of allowing his heart to move into pride territory, he focused on gratitude. And I hope that's what we'll do today. Let's focus on gratitude. Let me pray with you. Father, you've been so good to us. In the family of God, you've given us 
people to lean on, people to love, people to encourage us, and people that we can encourage. And it is a true gift from you. And so I pray that you would take that heart today that needs encouragement, that heart that has been wounded and broken and maybe is isolated, and that you would open the door to support, that you would open the door to a mutual faith, a shared experience in the family of God. We need each other. We are a body, and Jesus is our head. And so I pray that you would make us grateful. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together and let's close out with this final chorus. Let's just close by singing this truth this morning. And when I think that God is son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my Savior God to how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. Then sings, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Man, you guys have a great week. Be blessed, and we'll see you back next Sunday.